Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsion, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and I'm super excited to dive into this episode with you. But before I do, I'm sure you followed along at Courtney DeWalter's amazing accomplishment this past weekend at UTMB, where she won that race. But she didn't just win that race. She did it after winning and setting the course record at Hard Rock 100. And prior to that, she won and set the course record at Western States all in a matter of a summer, which is just absolutely incredible. Now, what's super cool is there's this awesome event where you get to see Courtney DeWalter in person and hear from her at this amazing festival that's being put on in Georgia called Running Man. Yes, it's just like Burning Man, but it is a running festival. And it's super cool because Courtney DeWalter is going to be there and so is Rich Roll, Matt Choi, Mike Young, so many different amazing people in the running industry are going to be there. And not only are these people going to be there, but there's also tons of races, a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, marathon, and a 50K all on this festival grounds here. And there's also live music, sauna, cold immersion, camping, yoga, speakers, food trucks. I mean, it is just so awesome. So if you're looking to connect with amazing runners, hear from incredibly talented people in our sport, and ultimately be at a festival that's all about the thing we love, running, then go to Running Man, which is in Kingston, Georgia, on October 17th through the 19th as well. If you want to go ahead and sign up for Running Man, go to the link in the show notes, or you can go to alldayrunningco.com and sign up for Running Man there. It looks like such an awesome festival put on by Jesse Itzler, one of my favorite dudes in the world, not just in the running space. And again, Courtney's going to be there. Rich Roll is going to be there. It's going to be super, super rad and a great way to connect with runners. So if you're interested in that, head to the show notes or go to alldayrunningco.com to get your tickets to Running Man. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening and let's dive into the episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and I'm so excited for this episode, not just because this dude just won the Leadville 100. Yes, he is your 2023 Leadville 100 champion, uh, not only because this guy raced Western States also for his first time, and we were talking a little bit before how inspiring it was to see him out there, too, but also, when I think about some of the conversations I've had on this podcast like over the past year, uh, the initial one that we did with our guest today was one of my favorites. I, I think about it often and following uh, our guest's journey from you know securing the golden ticket at Bandera earlier this year to, to chasing his dreams, to going at Western States and ultimately winning Leadville has just been such an awesome journey. And he's just such a great guy. Love his mindset, love his attitude. And um, he was even saying before he got tons of great feedback and so have I. A lot of people were fired up on that first episode. So if you're prepared to get fired up again, then get ready for part two with my friend JP Giblin on the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I guess who is your 2023 Leadville champion JP thanks for coming on again and dude congrats again on the epic win 
Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Um, second time on the show. Uh, good to be back. Yeah, thanks for giving me uh, this voice, and it's always fun to talk to you. Dude, 100%, man. And it's so fun to talk with you, too. I remember I was so inspired after our first conversation because, dude, you have such an awesome mindset, such an awesome drive like towards your goals. And it's just, like I said in the intro, it's so cool to see all of it paying off and seeing the the great work you've put in. So uh, for anyone listening, too, if you're interested in JP's background in running, definitely listen to that first episode we have. I'll put it in the show notes, too. Um, but before we dive into Leadville, talk to me a little bit about Western States, right? Because you did the mm-hmm. Western Leadville double, which is a pretty short window of back-to-back 100. So talk to me about, like, I guess, Western States and what was it like coming after that, you know, historic event that, that you set your sights on after Bandera? Yeah, Western States was kind of a, a mixed bag for me. I was really happy to get out there, super excited. Um, it's one of those dream races that everyone wants to do, right? I mean, I always told myself that the only way I would get into this race was by winning a golden ticket. And I was able to do that. But um, going to it, I went two weeks early. So I checked out like Broken Arrow the weekend before, which was super fun. Um, just seeing that whole sub ultra world and running into some familiar faces. It was um, a really good time. And then the uh, everyone left from that one and it was leading up to the Western States week. And I was a little bit more of a, a low key vibe, but I was getting pretty nervous as like mm-hmm. all these people in this sport were coming in, like some of my idols and some of the, like the biggest names in the sport were coming in, um, a lot of media. Um, and I was just, um, I don't know. I, I just wasn't in that that mindset that I usually am in. I think I put a lot more pressure on myself leading up to the race um, and just got really nervous <laughs> leading up to it too. So um, race day, it, it, was, it was a weird feeling just reflecting back on it in that um, I didn't feel like uh, taking, like I didn't feel very, risky or confident Mm -hmm. or um the mindset wasn't there that i usually have and i did a lot of you know listening to other people and advice you know which is a good thing but you got to take it with a grain of salt and um, the biggest mistake i did that race was just not take any risks at the end of the day i felt like Mm -hmm. i ran it and i didn't race it i um, was counting on other people to fail and not for myself to succeed. Um, so everyone was saying, you know, the race starts at a hundred K at forest Hill. And I was very conservative up to then. And, you know, it, it just, people were passing me. I wasn't matching any moves. I was just being very conservative. I had seen, you know, that middle section of the course. Um, and so I was pretty familiar with it, but the first, about 30 miles and the last maybe marathon, um, I was not too familiar with. So I was kind of running blind. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, the race starts at mile zero. Like, I don't care what anyone says from here on out. It's, you got to go from the gun. Like people are too good, especially on that, on that, um, stage, the world stage of Western States or even like UTMB people just don't blow up anymore. The nutrition's there. The training is there. People are so dialed in and the sport is just getting faster and faster and more professional. 
And so you have to be there from the start. So that's what I learned. Um, it was a hard lesson to learn. And halfway through the race, um, going up to Michigan Bluff, I mean, I was getting in my head going through the canyons. People were passing me. Um, I have a, you know, I was looking back going up. I think it was Devil's Thumb. And I looked back and I had to do a double take because Courtney Walter was coming up behind me. And, you know, I knew it was a very real possibility that she would come up and pass me. But I didn't think it'd be that early on in the race. And that got on my head. But she came up Mm -hmm. behind me and she was just like, you're awesome. You're amazing. And I was like, got super pumped. I'm like, holy Courtney DeWalters. I'm like, no, you're amazing. And she's just the best person ever. She's like, come on, let's, let's run this together. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to run with Courtney DeWalter. And then I try to last like 10 seconds and she just drops me going uphill. And then I was just like, oh my God, like partly like she's an absolute phenom, the greatest in the sport. But, you know, just things like that just got in my head. And I came into Michigan Bluff just totally just the lowest I've ever felt in in Mm -hmm. ultra running. Um, I was I felt like a total imposter. I felt like I shouldn't have been there. Felt like I didn't deserve to be there. I felt like I just wasn't racing or wasn't doing good for my sponsors, for my crew, um, and just had a bit of like a breakdown and kind of had an epic mm-hmm. like puke session that a lot of people saw, which was kind of uh, funny to hear about afterwards. How many people were just like, wow, that was pretty awesome to see you bounce back from Michigan Bluff. And I'm like, okay, yeah, it, it was a low, low spot, but um, it was, you know, it was a really great day um, in terms of what I learned from it. It wasn't the best day um, for performance. I feel like I could get a ton more for myself from um, that race. Um, and so, you know, the main goal for next season is to get back into Western States um, to go for another golden ticket. But um, sometimes it just takes getting your ass kicked to um, get yourself back into gear and, and you know, light that fire to get you going again. Because, you know, I... I wanted to be top 10 and I thought uh, anything other than top 10 was like a total failure. Um, Mm. I have the mentality that, you know, finishing these just isn't enough for me. I always want to compete and be at the top end going for wins or podiums. Um, So as impressive and, you know, to other people as, you know, everyone's like, you ran a hundred miles. That's amazing. It just is not enough for me. Like I really want to push that body to the limit and, and for, you know, what is greatness in like the podium or, or wins at these races. Dude, man, so much respect for you being open and vulnerable and sharing those things. And, and it's, it's so interesting because as you were saying it, it, and I was thinking about like your prior race performances, how you race. Like, I know you race strong, like you race, like, and you, you take dominance on the field. So it is interesting to see you kind of take that different approach on there. And I can totally understand, like just knowing you, how maybe that just doesn't fit to your mindset. Cause I think, you know, like traditional school of thought with ultra running is like, 
you know, like you said, my race starts at mile 60, but like nowadays, and even if it works better for like you, just from like a mental perspective or anyone mm-hmm. listening, like, you know, sometimes it works better when you have that race starts at zero mindset, like you, like you just go out to the gate and just kind of run it. And so like for you, it, it sounds like you kind of get more of that, that mental boost from like taking the strong start and just kind of pushing through the end. Correct. Yeah, that's exactly it. I, um, I'm a big fan of like Steve Prefonte and like he's one of my biggest heroes and like he is one of my biggest influences in in running and that he just went out for it. He he didn't listen to the naysayers. He went out front all the time and when he would be, you know, boxed in or taken conservative, he would not do well in races. And so he always wanted to be dictating the race. He always wanted to be at the front, um, um, you know, uh, being, I know I loved the Tom Evans quote, be the main character. That is one of my favorite quotes, um, that I've ever heard. And uh, it's true. Like you want to be up front, and you get so much more energy being up there, just the crowd, um, being with fellow competitors, like pushing it. It's, uh, it's a much better feeling than being like this passive kind of just waiting. Cause I really don't think you can be truly great or a champion with that type of mindset you have to go in wanting to win um wanting to be up front so you know podiums are great but winning is pretty awesome so yeah no more being passive that's that's what i learned from western states Hell yeah, man. That is just so, so awesome to see. And it's, it's cool. Like you mentioned before, like it definitely is painful to have those experiences, but it's so awesome to see like you not only learning from the experience, but like putting the application like pretty quickly after, I mean, like Leadville was, you know, a little bit more than a month, like removed from Western States. And so to put that into process, I think so shortly after and to see it like verified through there is so awesome. And I definitely want to talk about like that nitty gritty, you know, race details and, and the stories and everything on there. But like, I'm curious, like, I'm sure a lot of people have this question. I'm even curious too. like, you know, you did uh, Western States and really, I mean, pretty much like a month ish of like kind of solid training, like from there on, like, how did you feel kind of coming off the Western States? Like, did you recover quickly? Like, what was that kind of like one month period like, or what are the things you kind of focus on? Like with a quick turnaround like that, like going into Leadville? Yeah. So, um, learning from mistakes from Western States, I kind of, for West, for Western States training, I fell into the trap of, you know, comparing myself to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would be looking at all these other guys and they'd be doing over, you know, 100 plus mile weeks, 120 mile weeks. And I thought I I don't have a coach quite yet. I'm looking for one right now. I I probably will be coached very shortly, but um, I would just think, okay, I have to do 100 plus mile weeks to Mm -hmm. um, compete with these guys. And I would be just I think if you look at my Strava history, it was like six or seven, just close to a hundred plus mile weeks, just straight, um, no dips, no peaks, just kind of consistent, just flat line hundred mile weeks. And I would um I felt exhausted all the time. Um mm-hmm. I wasn't getting very good quality. It was all just going out and running. Um which kind of burned me out, I think, leading up to Western States. Like I just was running on tired legs all the time. So I didn't mm-hmm. get any good quality one. And so um, coming off of Western States, I recovered pretty quickly. I was um, kind of taking like a California road trip with my dad going from um, 
Western States from Auburn down to Santa Barbara, um, where I just um, hung out there for a whole week and um, kind of just to process the race, um, think about it, just kind of take some time to myself um, by the ocean and um, do some sailing, just get out on the water, just kind of do something other than running. Um, mm-hmm. And I came back about a week after, uh, exactly a week, I just started running again. Um, it was pretty rough, you know, the, the legs were still tight, uh, but getting that um, leg motion back just helped with recovery. And it, I was pretty driven to get back on the horse very quickly because um, I knew Leadville was uh, very close. I'd be, I think it was about five weeks from when I started um, running again. And I took the lesson of not doing that just 100-mile weeks just for the sake of doing 100-mile weeks. I did a lot more quality sessions in there where mm-hmm. I would do hard workouts where I was, you know, could tasting pennies, you know, just it, it felt really good. Like I had not done that in so long where I just, you know, I have a route, like let's say I'm going up Green Mountain, I'm going to start at this trail junction and just go as hard as I can for about three miles and just huffing and puffing up to the top. And, you know, it felt really good and I could uh, feel the fitness growing much faster doing those, you know, two to three really hard efforts a week with the rest easy. I mean, that's all you really need. That's like, there's no secret to the success. You just have some hard efforts and the rest need to be easy. Um, Mm. And so I would also have a training partner, um, my friend Nick Noon, who lived up in um, Nederland, which is just about 30 minutes outside of Boulder. Um, and we'd go up to the Indian Peaks Wilderness, um, run up to the you know 13,000 foot peaks and just having a training partner like that, he we would just flog each other going up these mountains. <laughs> we, we showed no mercy to each other. The shit talking was real and we would absolutely hammer it going up these hills. Um, and it was really fun to have a training partner like that. Um, and so that was the main thing going into Leadville was don't burn out. Um, don't do over hundred mile weeks, have good quality, good rest, good food. And, um, I found that I did really a lot better with about 85 mile weeks, about, you know, 13 ish hours and not doing those, you know, 15 to 20 hour, hundred plus mile weeks. I don't know if it's, I'm sure I might see that in the future. If I have a coach that can really prescribe something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's just cause I've been kind of full time running for just about over a year and a half. So maybe my body is just, is not quite, prepared for that amount of volume. Um, but I found that 85 miles was the sweet spot. And who's to say, like, my body probably absorbed the Western States run pretty well, too. I mean, there's, you know, I don't want to call Western States a training run for Leadville, but it seems like it might have been a bit of a training run for Leadville. So yeah, it was a quick turnaround. But um, I think I nailed it pretty well this time. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, man. And I want to give you so much kudos and respect because I think it takes so much strength to 
like look at the age of like Strava and what we see on social media and seeing like the people who you're competing with. Right. And, and to, to trust yourself to be like, Hey, I'm pulling back here, but like, I trust myself that I'm going to do that. So that's a really hard thing to do, man. And so for you to like go out and do that and stay true to it, I mean, it's awesome. Like, how did you like, for maybe those are listening who maybe, cause I agree with you. I think like that, can be one thing. And I fall into the trap too, where, you know, I see people I'm racing against and I feel like I need to like tack on more mileage on my long runs. And then I just end up feeling exhausted. So like, were there things you were telling yourself kind of along the way to, you know, kind of build that trust? And like, I mean, now your result, obviously I think solidifies like Mm -hmm. the results in there, but when you're in that process, like how do you kind of maybe like trust yourself fully that what you're doing is going to lead to the great result? Um, yeah. So, you know, I love um, Strava or just any like training that you can look at and see progression. Um, and mm-hmm. so for me, it, it's Strava. It's just what I use to track my my racing. Um, and, you know, it could be a, a not another, you know, I think if I'm looking at other people's training logs and I'm getting psyched out, maybe someone's looking at my training logs and it's psyched out. So there's a bit of like a mental game each way, but I was looking at, you know, runs I would do when, with my hard workouts and just see constant progression or I'd see, mm-hmm. you know, getting into these top tens of, you know, the, the KOM fields. Um, and, you know, there'd be some pretty big names in those, in those top 10 fields and just seeing also PRs along the way, it showed like, wow, you're getting fit. And I just, I just felt it. I felt a lot more confident and a lot stronger because, um, I mean, you had that tangible, like I went a whole minute faster, a whole two minutes faster. Um, and it just built a lot more confidence in seeing those tangibles. Um, so yeah, it's a double-edged sword. It's, uh, you gotta, can't be too psyched out by it, but you have to have that tangible that you can see, oh, you're making improvements. Um, and also just going back to even Bandera, I did, you know, 80, 85 mile weeks for that Mm. race. Um, So I think it's just, yeah. And I did more quality over quantity there too. So. I like that. Yeah. It's like reinforcing like through the results that you're getting like along the process to like help with Mm -hmm. it. Because I think it can be so easy to like look at, you know, one day or one number. Right. And that number might just be like 85 miles especially if you're comparing it to like someone else it's like 100 but if you look at your progression and even like what's worked in the past like you mentioned with bandera it can make it so much easier to 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 trust that process and kind of carry out which is great and uh you carried it strong into leadville which is so awesome i remember you sharing that you were going to do the the leadville western double on our first conversation i was Mm -hmm. so stoked and seeing how you came for those who, who didn't listen to that first episode which again totally recommend um you came second at Leadville the year prior, a week after doing that 100, the Leadville 100 mile mountain bike race, which like still to me to this day, like when, like when, when people like bring up your name and stuff, I always think about that. I'm like, dude, this guy is tough as nails. So I knew that there was a, that you were going to do really well at this race kind of going in, but how did your mindset kind of differ going into Leadville versus Western States? Cause you kind of talked about like the week before. So tell me like transport me to like, you know, maybe that week leading to Leadville, how is your mindset different and wh- what's going through your head, you know, towing the line at historic Leadville? Yeah, I think there was a, a couple things. One, it was, felt like a, a hometown race. Um, and that this, this is going to be my third time doing it. Um, 
So I had a lot of course knowledge. Um, I just knew the course like the back of my hand. Um, so that is huge is just having the course knowledge. Uh, I didn't have to travel very far. I mean, it's just two hours from Boulder. So it's just easy. I, I didn't have to get on a plane. I didn't have to have any travel stress. Um, I had my own car, you know, food, all that stuff. So just very low stress travel. And I went in with, you know, the mindset of that whole week of just like low stress. I stayed out of Leadville pretty much all week. I, I stayed wow. in Copper Mountain, which is about, you know, 25, 30 minutes away. Um, just to get better sleep also, because sleeping at 10,000 feet, it's just doesn't really do much for you. I think it's more a detriment. So I went, I stayed in Copper Mountain and um, just stayed out of like the whole hoopla of seeing people or, you know, just keeping it low stress, doing the opposite of Western states. Um, <laughs> I mean, I only went to Leadville for like the pre-race meeting and getting my packet. And I was like, it was like an hour and a half. And then I was out of there. And yeah, it was just keeping it low stress, um, you know, having the confidence. And, you know, I got second place here. Um, I'd be, I'm only happy with one more place. Like there's one more place to go up and a lot of places to go down. So I was always going in with that mindset of, you know, you're going to win this thing. And, um, another thing that, you know, Leadville does, I think, unfortunately or fortunately is they don't really have a good start list that they put out publicly. It mm -hmm. kind of gets updated. It gets taken down. It gets put back up. It's, um, so I kind of, knew through social media kind of who was going to be there, but not really. So I knew that Adrian McDonald was going to be there. So I always thought like, well, I guess I'm the favorite then coming the highest returning finisher. Like it's kind of like an expectation that you, you know, you're the guy that people are looking for. And I, I kind of went in with that confidence and um, that pressure, which is a privilege to perform and, um, go out for the win. Yeah, dude, I love that too. And I love how you even phrase that so awesome. You're like, I'm going to win this thing because it can be easy to say like, I want to win this thing, or maybe I could win this thing. It's like, I'm going to. And I, I remember when we first uh, chatted, like, and you were talking about Bandera and everything, like just how much you instill that confidence in you. And I, I, I always, I, I do refer to your episode a lot when people message me and they say like, Hey, I'm struggling with confidence and race. I'm like, listen to this because like you talk about the visualization and just having so much trust in yourself. And obviously like, look at the amazing results it's gotten you. So it's something that I've always appreciated as well. Do you think like when you have that, like, do you think there's like a, an edge to maybe not looking at that start list beforehand? Like, do you think that helped like a ton, like just to kind of just say like, Oh, like, I'm the best person out here that I know of and just kind of having that. Do you feel like that is like a strategy you'll take with you? Maybe like not look at the entrance list to, to help out. I'm, I'm curious to hear because for me, I'm very guilty at looking at the entrance list and I always like psych myself out. Like even for example, like when you signed up for Black Canyon, I was like, oh shoot, I'm going to have to be <laughs> on the line against this guy. Like, so uh, like uh, yeah. tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I actually do prefer knowing who I'm going up against because I just do like to do research on people. And also, yeah. um, you know, I, I kind of dig through um, the weeds a bit and just see if there's any sleepers in there that I need to 
be careful about or so I, I do do a lot of research going into these races and just who um, who is racing, you know, and even as deep as, you know, maybe this person is a 50K, very good at 50Ks, but he's doing his first 100 miler, but he's like wicked fast at 50K. So I do keep a note on that. But, you know, I also have the mental notes during a race like this guy's going out really fast. He's a really good 50K runner, but he's never done a 100 miler before. So, mm. you know, you can kind of take a gamble with, okay, you know, this is his first foray into it. I'm going to let him go see how he goes after 50k, you know, so things like that, like doing your research on your competition is, is pretty big, but, um, I just want to go back to the, the visualization. Also, I just cannot harp enough on the importance of like language in self-belief and, mm. and visualization. Um, if, if I'm talking to someone, it's like, Oh, I just, hope for a poet i hope for top 10 or i I, i'm kind of hoping for podium um already mentally i kind of feel like i have an edge over that person um language is super important in in uh, that visualization process and saying you will or you want to want will versus want are two different things if you will um it puts you know more pressure on yourself and and puts that mindset into into the mode of success um so language is really important in how you speak about yourself and how you want um to race and then i mean the study after study is done i I learned this in in the military first through visualization i mean you just high-end operators and all sort of special warfare programs or or uh, any of the branches visualization is a huge thing that they walk through from um, the beginning of a mission all the way to the end. And uh, I go through step by step and like, okay, what's it going to feel like in the morning? What am I going to eat? You know, what happens if something goes wrong to what it's going to feel like on the trail to, you know, the finish line. Like I had it in my mind, just breaking that finish line tape and like nothing was going to stop me from doing that. So yeah, language and visualization, huge things that, um, are really important to the success of um, any athletic endeavor or really any life endeavor, actually. Yeah, for sure, man. And I, I love that you touch on that even deeper because I've even, after we had our conversation, no joke, like I started to use visualization a lot more because like, yeah, and I started like researching like study after study. Like there's even like one study I found where they like compared like two groups of people doing like free throws and like one group literally just physically practiced and one group just thought about it. And like they, the performance was like almost equal in terms of like the physical and the people who just did it mentally, which is just mm-hmm. totally nuts to, to see that in there. So, and I love what you talk about language too, because man, the words that we say to ourselves matter so, so much. Like you said, like when you say, oh, I want to do this, or maybe I'll do this. It's, it does like subconsciously like create that uncertainty or that mm-hmm. not full confidence where you're like, I will win or I will do this. Like it just feels strong in there. So I love that you talk about the language because especially like during an ultra, like where that language can get totally out of whack. Right. Yeah. And I felt it. I felt it at Western States. I just got down on myself. I like, I just didn't have that, that confidence going in of like, I will get top 10. I'm like, Maybe I'll get topped. I don't know. There's a lot of good people out. I, I I don't know if I can get like it. Just was completely different um, body language and and just presence mentally. Um, 
that, you know, I learned that, you know, how important uh, mentality is and the language you will use it. It's subconsciously, you said, yeah, subconsciously, it really does affect you. Mm-hmm. I man, and it's so cool to see you again, like kind of like notice that from Western States and then just going to Leadville and being like, just going back to, you know, the roots of the, the strong language and the, the visualization and having that full faith. And I, I think it's just such a cool, you know, a quick learning application, as I mentioned before, to, to kind of go right in there. So you mentioned like, you know, keeping it pretty low stress that week and going to total line, like not sure who's going to be starting, you know, a few people, but you know that you're going to be the winner of this race and, and predicting the outcome early, which is so, so cool. So, so walk us through kind of like the journey on here. Cause I was following along on the stream, following you very intently and it was fun to watch, but, but talk to me about how that race went and specifically in the start, right? Because you mentioned Western States started conservative. So how did you kind of approach it differently, you know, towing the line here at level, like when that gun went off uh, in the morning? Yeah. So going off, I knew that I didn't want to be any lower than maybe top five or um, so I went out and I knew that I wanted to dictate the pace from the start and mm-hmm. going out. Um, I, you know, I think it was pretty comparable to last year's start. That's kind of how I had my also splits that I kind of wanted to do for around a 17 hour finish. Um, so, cause I, oh, looking at past results of Leadville, uh, around 17 hours is about the range for a podium spot. Um, mm-hmm. so I knew, you know, staying 17 hours is kind of like the minimum that you have to be for a podium spot. Later on, I'll talk about just the weather had a big effect on that day and that 17 hour time mark. But, um, yeah, going off from the start, 4 a.m. start, the worst start at ultras. It's just oh. it's an awful start. You don't it's get so any terrible. sleep. It's so bad. Let the, let's let's normalize 7 a.m. starts in ultras, please. <laughs> yes, please. I agree. <laughs> I mean, what a bad start. Uh, so I was going in and uh, wanting to dictate the pace pretty quickly, and we went out. There's about three of us, me, Reed Burroughs, and I believe Matthew Vera, who is a, a good, pretty good 50K, 50-miler, kind of up and coming. So I would I'd keep an eye out for him. Um, and we're going around, you know, uh, Turquoise Lake in the start. It's about 13 miles to the first aid station. And um, we kind of look back and we're chit-chatting, like, who should be up here with us? Like saying some names, like, are we going out? Like what, like we did, thought people it would be a bigger pack than three. Cause there was about three of us that were kind of causing a separation between the rest of the field. Um, and we were just, you know, chit chatting, going around turquoise Lake and, um, go around turquoise Lake 13 miles in. Um, one of the coolest sites is looking back, and seeing just the caterpillar of headlamps. That's one of the coolest sights uh, I've ever seen. Just hundreds of people going around, just starting their hundred mile journey. And it's cool to be like, oh, well, I'll be back here in, you know, 10, 11, 12 hours, whatever it is, (laughs) hopefully in the daylight. And we go through the first crew day station. And when we leave, it's just about me and Reed Burroughs, going through and still chit-chatting, you know, it's dark, things are feeling good, Um, no red flags yet, Uh, just kind of trucking along. And I'm eating and drinking a lot. Um, I I had kind of like a kind of pretty 
bold nutrition plan that I'd never really mm-hmm. tried before in a race. Um, and we were going along, going up the first climb, feeling pretty strong, kind of putting separation in uh, the rest of the guys, you know, maybe 30 seconds to a minute here. And my stomach is starting to go kind of, kind of south. Like I'm starting to get a little bit of upper and lower GI issues, um, uh, kind of feeling a little bit uneasy and just in the stomach. And I'm like, Ooh, this is not good to be feeling it this kind of early. Like let's try to course correct. Um, and just, you know, see what happens from there. Um, going on, you know, you hit, power line, you go down power line. And at this point I'm in the lead, um, not by much, maybe by like a minute or two. And cause there's this long road section going into the mile 26, a station where I look back and it's like, okay, I, that's Reed and Matthew, um, right there. Um, they're about 30 seconds back, um, coming through that aid station. I see my crew again and I just tell them, Hey, my, my stomach isn't feeling good. They had, we had this, um, two, you know, two handhelds with uh, electrical tape gels and the whole like quote, the care package is what we called it. It was about 1100 calories in that care package. And like, that was Whoa. my, <laughs> yeah, it was a Whoa. lot. So how, many, how much were you taking in like an hour? Was it like, it was, a, it was about maybe 600 <laughs> calories. In an hour. Yeah, yeah. It was a ton. Um, and you know, a big dinner that night, breakfast in the morning, you know, some more food before the, um, before the race. Um, I think my body just wasn't digesting the food and, you know, working with the running on top of digesting the food, I was having a lot of issues with my stomach Mm. and energy. And I was starting to feel just really, bad and down. And so coming out at aid station, I just told my brother, who is my crew chief, um, you know, let's take not as many calories, please. I'm already like full of my belt with a ton of food and calories. And I have, a, you know, so let's, I need to get some ginger ale in me to kind of settle my stomach. And through that aid station, I was passed by Reed, who was looking really strong. And I was like, Oh, okay. There goes Reed. Like he's looking strong. Am I like fading that fast this early in the race? This is only 26 miles mm-hmm. in. So already that little demons start creeping into my head. Like, Oh, maybe this isn't your day. Maybe, you know, th- you know, they're just, he's just going to run away with it. Um, Cause he was one guy that I was looking at to be competition in the race, which, which he was. Um, and then, we go on to about mile 28, which is the next kind of aid station ish. And I have to walk through it because my stomach is not doing well. I'm kind of feeling oh, really wow. achy, not very good at all. And, you know, and the math, he passes me. So now I'm in third place and I'm like, Ooh, this is like, not good. I'm like another little demon in my head. It's like, man, that's, this is not looking good for you. Like you need to figure this out. I continue trucking on and I am in a really low point. Like physically, I do not feel very good at all. Um, you know, I'm getting that negative self-talk in my head. I'm honestly thinking about like, this is embarrassing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit. Like, I'm just, this is not gonna be the day that I want for it. Um, and it's a long section from that 
from about 28 miles to when you see your crew again, around 35, 36 miles at, at Twin Lakes. And it's kind of just a long, just boring section too. a lot of flat. Um, you know, you get on the pretty Colorado trail section, which is one of the better sections of the course, but I was feeling really down. I was kind of hiking hills that I should have been running, um, to be competitive. And, um, you know, this, the one thing that turned me or turn, turn it around for me, I tell the story a lot was Rob Carr was doing the race also an absolute legend. He was doing the Leadman series, which, you know, I did last year, he was leading it. And, you know, I lined up at the start line. I have a picture of me next to Rob Carr. And I, I say Rob Carr was the guy who got me into the sport. Um, he, his mental health advocacy, his story, his just dominance in the sport um, is what put, put it on the map for me. And, um, I credit his performances uh, that put ultra running on the radar for me. And it's, it was awesome to line up next to like your, your hero or the guy that got you in the sport. And I'm hiking along and I look, I hear someone behind me. I look back and I'm like, I don't recognize that kid at all. And then up comes Rob Carr behind me and he just pats me on the back and he says, come on, man, let's go. And that just the switch just went in my head. I'm like, get out of your head. Let's go. You're running with Carr right now. Um, stop having this pity party. You, you want to win this race. And it just completely switched. And so I tagged onto him for a bit and it's like, it shows just the power of the mind and that everything went away. The stomach issues went away. Wow. The physical pain, it just went away. I was just running with, this legend of the sport and it gave me so much a boost to my confidence. I thought to myself, you know, this guy is a huge name in the sport. And if you want to be anything like him, you have to go with him right now. And so I went with him and, um, he, he got me out of the deepest hole to where I was probably going to quit at, um, twin lakes to, um, boosting morale and ran with him and we went into twin lakes and I was just um, fired up at that point. I was ready to go. So uh, going to twin lakes and I get to my crew. They're excited to see me. They, we you know we do a, a, a pit stop there, change shoes. Cause I was running, running in road shoes um, leading up to that point. And so, you know, Leadville is unique in that that, for, that first 35, 36 miles is all very, very runnable. And then you have this nice, awful hike up Hope Pass and then down and then up and then over. And I was like, I was telling my crew, so I'm going to keep eyes on Crar. I'm going out with Rob. Um, let's, let's chill. Let's regroup. Let's get, you know, some ginger ale in me. Let's get my pack ready and let's get ready to go. Um, so it took a bit of time in there. And as soon as, you know, they said, all right, Rob's coming. Like, all right, let's go. And just went out again, um, you know, with my hiking poles ready to go up. And they said I had about a 12 minute gap between, um, hmm. the first and second place guys. And I'm like, that's good. That's not bad for an ultra 12 minutes is very doable. 
So, and I love that hope pass section. It's uh, you just get a grind and I got some good, I got good grinding gears. So going up, I was able to, you know, leave Rob behind me. And I was just in absolute, like, I want to catch these guys mode, uh, hiking up, um, just super strong stomach was good body was you know it was hurting but you know it was ultra hurt like it's it's what you're used to at this point and i get up about a quarter mile or a mile from the hope pass aid station and i see reed up ahead of me i'm like all right i caught one guy there we go um go up past him you know words of encouragement let's go man you know let's do this and get to the A station and ask how far first place is. And they say he was about 11 minutes up. I'm like, all right, that's fine with me. Get up and then go down Hope Pass, feeling really good, really strong. Um, and I'm running into uh, Winfield. Um, and, you know, the nature of an out-of-back course is you see everyone coming back. And so I'm like, all right, three miles from Winfield, still no Matthew, all right, Look at my watch, two miles, nothing, one mile, I still don't see him. You know, you get off the single track into dirt road going into Winfield. And I'm like, I see the A station there. I'm running. I don't see him. And then he turned the corner and he's leaving right there. I'm like, all right, game on. Like, here we go. Race starts. I'm super pumped. Going to the A station, quick refill, you know, get some good mashed potatoes in me. I'm out of there within like less than four minutes and going up the trail about a quarter mile out of the A station. Um, he's sitting on the side of the road, you know, with his um, heads in his hands and he's just, he's done, he's down. And, you know, oh. I go by him. I'm just like, Hey, come on, Matthew. Let's, you, I headed down. I came back from it. Let's go. Um, but um, that was the pass for first place. And I thought, all right, you're in the lead. It's yours to lose now. And I went just, I thought, you know, I have to really push on Hope Pass to get some gaps on people because the first person I saw was Scott Schreyer. And if there's oh somebody you don't want behind you in a race, it's Scott Schreyer <laughs> because he is a closer. And I was like, oh boy, it's not, a, you have to push. And after that, I, I pushed Hope Pass really hard and I took a lot of risks on the downhill. I was flying and it was cool to have the um, cheers from the other racers going up and down. Uh, you know, you know, I got a lot of go JPs, you know, it's yours to win. Let's go. And that was super motivating to get that boost from the crowd. And yeah, as soon as I got into Twin Lakes, um, you know, I was picking up my pacer and the rest is like, yeah, just pushing it to the end. <laughs> Anything you want to interject before the last 40 miles? I must say this, this race story is one of my favorites I've heard in so long. Like, dude, I like, first of all, to, to see you have that comeback, like early on to face GI issues, like you said, the demons kind of in your head, right? Like that's, those are big things to overcome, especially like early in a race, right? Because I mean, GI issues as is are terrible, but even just like that voice to overcome and that moment that you shared with Rob is, man, I got chills when you were talking about that because 
it's I, I love it you mentioned it's like so interesting how the mind works how just one thing like one simple thing can just flip and like it just all changes from there and and that must have been such like an emotional moment to to be with robin those things like and i'm curious like i, I definitely want to hear like more of the rest of the story and I have questions on that but were there any conversations you have with rob like during there or was it mostly just kind of pushing and grinding like to like were there any moments like that that you remember i guess like from from that experience because that must have been super special um, I wanted to say something so bad, but I was just, we were just, <laughs> I was like, I don't, I'm like, I'm kind of really fanboying right now, but I don't want him to know that I'm fanboying. Like, I don't want to play my cards. Like, this is really cool that I'm running with this guy right now. So I didn't say anything, um, but I really wanted to be like, just a little thing like, hey, Rob, like you're a legend or just something like that. But I, you know. I was in competition mode, you know, you know, he is my hero, but I still want to beat him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, it was like a total fanboy moment of just much like when Courtney passed me in Western States, this was like the Courtney moment in Leadville, but I had the wherewithal to like, just go with it. And uh, yeah, it was a pretty special moment for sure. Oh, dude, that's awesome. And I can, I can a hundred percent like relate to that. There's been times where like, you know, you, I, I've ran with other people and I get in that same mode where it's like, you want to tell them it's like, man, like you're awesome. But like, yeah, I've had moments where I've been like, shut up, Joe. Like, you know, like <laughs> yeah, just, just we were, we were rolling. both just grinding. We were both just like, all right, we're, <laughs> we're racing. So, I mean, there's a time and a place for it, but we, I don't think the universe were in a, a chit chatty mood at that point. <laughs> Yeah, man. And that, that's so epic too. I love how you said like, he's my hero, but like wanted to beat him. Like you're in that competition mode, which is so, so cool. And to see like that progression coming right when you ran with him to the point where you passed him and then you pass Reed and then you pass, you know, everyone else to lock in that first place. That was such an epic story of you kind of talking about it. And um, funny you mentioned like Scott Trayer on your heels. Cause yeah, he's a closer. He's the, he's, he's the guy to kind of be like aware of. And I'm curious, like when, how do you like when you're in that position, right? You're in first place. You mentioned like taking a little bit of risk and just pushing, like what's going through your head? Like, how do you keep that drive to still push, to still hold on, even though like, I mean, at this point, I mean, I'm assuming you're probably like close to redlining, just like gunning mm -hmm. it. Like, so like what is on your mind to help you keep that focus to just you know, hold on and finish strong. Like and, and maybe you can like inter intervene it with like kind of maybe some moments in the last thing, but what's, what's yeah. going through your head in those last miles, like to, to close strong. Yeah. So, you know, you go from a mentality shift of being the hunter to the hunted. Um, so I know that whole time I was like, all right, I'm hunting for first place. Right. And you're, you're pushing for it. And then once I got into first place, I'm like, okay, now you're the hunted, you're the guy that everybody wants to catch. Um, and so, you know, whether you like it or not, you got it. You're, I was kind of running scared the whole rest of the time. Right. Um, you know, between, I knew once I got my pacer at twin lakes inbound about, you know, a little over mile 60, um, I could dump all the gear. And the, the good thing about Leadville is you can, your pacers can carry all the gears. Um, so I could oh, just, wow. yeah, focus on running from that point on, you know, my pacer would have all the nutrition and everything. So, um, 
I just, I just got to run light and I just knew that I had to push this uphill and take risks on the downhill and get my pacer. And then, I mean, studies have also shown that even running with people, it just boosts your, um, serotonin, it just boosts everything. So I was feeling good. I had a really good group of pacers, the same guys from Western States, just old college teammates from the triathlon days. And, um, we get pretty quick in and out of twin lakes and, um, you have another climb out of twin lakes and you're winding up, but you can still hear twin because it's a huge party. If no one's ever been to Leadville, twin lakes is kind of like the center for all the crews. Um, everyone kind of camps out there, just hundreds upon hundreds, like running through that a station in first place was just goosebumps moments, just people cheering, um, it just really motivated me to, to bring it home. Um, but we get to the top of the climb and we kind of started a timer to see, you know, when we would hear the next person and we hear the, the town go crazy and it was about, you know, 15 minutes. So it mm. still wasn't very comfortable. Like I made up 15 minutes on these guys. Like Scott could definitely make up 15 minutes on me. And I, we were pretty sure it was Scott because he was the closest guy to me um, at that turnaround. And I knew, so once we hit that last hill, um, I knew I had to just kind of, you know, screw the nails in and really get going and, and, and hurt. Um, a lot of Leadville, it's a very runnable course. It's like a runner's course. Um, so once you get out of Twin Lakes inbound, it's just a long stretch of kind of, slight uphill a lot of downhill and flat and i was running with my pacer and we were clipping you know 720 to 730 minute miles six you know 65 to 70 miles into this race and um i just knew that it's what i had to do to kind of um get that gap a little bit more comfortable and it was fun just kind of chit-chatting we would have just stupid movie quotes we were just like quoting miracle on ice the whole time like <laughs> we're doing like, the herb brooks like yes uh, tonight yeah, <laughs> yeah we were doing just speeches like that so like, good. like the russians are better than you but you know any day and just like for some reason gladiator was coming up too. Yes, dude. <laughs> just like oh, it's so my good. name is marcus aurelius <laughs> It's just, it was, we were just being really silly out there and it, it brought, took your mind off of things. So it was, it's, it's fun just to have a pacer like that. Um, and going into um, the next crew day station, you know, my, my crew would have a um, kind of timer on second place. And I was feeling a little bit more comfortable the further I got along. I was staying pretty strong. Um, well, it, became kind of evident to me that it was a battle for between second and third place as I was gapping that first place. Um, so I felt pretty comfortable with about a marathon to go. Um, I thought, all right, you got to get through this. You got to do your, this last climb up power line, which freaking sucks. I was <laughs> huffing and puffing and cussing and just like screaming going up that. <laughs> I was, I was, I told my, um, 
pacer. I'm just like, if you see me on ultra sign up, signing up for another race, this, this, like, take my password from me. I am not doing this again. This is the worst thing in the world. Why do I do this? This is so painful. I was just, just not having a good time, just hurting, like the good hurt. And I knew that once I hit the top of power line, you know, downhill and around Turquoise Lake, you're, you're pretty home free. Just don't blow up. Don't have any cramps. Just don't do anything like heroic. I felt like I had it in a bag as long as I just kept running around the lake. Um, so coming into that last A station with 13 miles to go, you know, I saw my crew. It was so awesome to see them. They're all kind of like optimistic too. They were kind of stressed out because, you know, they were like, okay, he's, he, he can still lose it. Like it's not over and it, it's not over till it's over. Right. But I was feeling pretty strong and confident in my body and that, okay, I just have to keep running around this lake and um, you got this in the bag. And that was enough motivation that I needed. And it was really nice running around Turquoise Lake in the daylight because I'd never seen it in the daylight. <laughs> it's always been <laughs> in the dark and it was a really pretty run. So <laughs> having that sunset um, and just running around this trail with, uh, there's a bunch of campers and RVers around there too, just cheering you on. Um, like all these people were falling, like just saying, go JP, go. And I'm like, how do these people know me? Like, this is freaking awesome. Like, this is what it feels like to be in the lead of a race. Um, and when it really hit me was going up the boulevard, which about, you know, three miles to go, they had, you know, at this point, the sun had set, um, we just turned our headlamps on and they had, on the side of the road, um, plaques with a, the champion, male and female champion from the beginning of the race. And every quarter mile, they had, you know, each name of the champions for that year. And I thought, holy shit, my name is going to be on one of these plaques next year oh, as the yeah. 2022 champ. And I was like, I was so happy about it. I'm like, you, you freaking did it. You you won the Leadville 100, probably one of the most, you know, well-known races, like historical races in the U S if not the world. And, um, it just felt really full circle. Like we get up, finish the boulevard, get on the uh, road going into Leadville. We get a police escort behind us, which is really cool. My crew's waiting there. Um, and you got this one last hill going up sixth street which I like, I really wanted to walk, but I'm like, you can't walk. You have to run it. Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's watching. You're really, you know, a lot of pain. I really want to walk this right now, but you're running it all the way to the top. You crest the hill on sixth street. And you just see that finish line in the going down and like, holy crap, it's real. It's happening. And you could just hear the crowd. You can hear the announcers, you know, me and my crew are just howling, having a good time, just super happy because it was such a team effort. Those guys were amazing. I think we spent less than 10 minutes total in aid stations um, wow. with that super dialed in crew. Like they had it all, all down to a science. Um, so that is, that is a huge, huge factor in my success was the effort by by the crew and my pacers in keeping it um 
keeping me in it the whole time. And you go up that finishing shoot, you hear your name and, you know, holding that tape and breaking that tape. It's the first time I've ever won a race like outright. And it was like pretty chilling to have that, that visual come, come to reality. Um, it is exactly how I pictured it, just holding up that tape. And um, it was probably uh, the greatest finish of my life <laughs> to this point. Yeah, I was super, super happy with it. Dude, so, man, that story is incredible. And the effort is even more incredible on there. I mean, from you talking about what's going through your head and having the great time with your pacers and then going down the street and seeing the name is like, again, I got massive chills when you were like, my name is going to be on there. And you can just tell just even by you describing how much this meant to you and, and how much like just holding that tape. And I love how you brought it full circle, right? Like when you say like the, the, the visualization you did of crossing that tape and being at the finish line, it was exactly what you had had in your mind and you made a reality and to, to make that happen, man, so freaking awesome. And I was stoked when uh, I was, I was getting the updates and, and stoked to see when I refreshed the page and it was like your Leadville winners, JP Giblin. I was like, let's go. Like that was so freaking awesome to see. I'm, I'm curious for you, like, you know, we, we kind of talked about like your lessons from Western States too. And so what was maybe like the biggest lesson you learned? And maybe it was a reinforcement, I guess, of, of what you mm-hmm. learned at Western States. But when you think about like your takeaways from this, this win, this finish, this epic story that you had, like what, what are some takeaways that you're going to stick with you for the rest of your life? Maybe not even just in running, but just overall, as you look ahead, you know, to, towards your, your very bright future ahead. Uh, yeah, it's just, you can race with the best. Like it's just getting over that imposter syndrome that always seems to creep up in any, any professional's life. Um, it's just, the, you have to have that belief in yourself. And I mean, I look at p- a picture from the very first time I did Leadville when I just turned you know, 20, I think it was 2015 or 2016. I was just turned 21 that summer and it was an absolute just grind finishing it in a little over 24 hours to seeing where I am now. Um, it's just having that belief and, the progress and, you know, you're going to have a lot of bad days, but a day like that is a good day. Like Leadville is, is something that any runner or any athlete is chasing is that, is that breaking the tape, um, moment. And hopefully I feel it again. Um, maybe I won't. I mean, that's a, that's a possibility, but it's, keeping those wins in your head and having that belief that, yeah, you, you, you can do this. You, you can do whatever you set your mind to. Dude, I love that, man. And, and to, to stick with the the theme of great language, I know that this will not be your only time breaking the tape <laughs> yeah. for sure, man. Yeah. Like I, I know it, man. Like you, you have, it, it's something that I've gotten from even our first conversation talking after your Bandera win. Like I, I knew like just hearing like how dedicated you are, not just like to yourself, but like your mind and your commitment and everything, man. It just shows 
how you've been able to, you know, win Leadville and continue to push yourself and do things like, you know, get that golden ticket at Bandera. So like I, I, I told you at, uh, I think our, our first conversation, I was like, I I'm, I'm betting on you because I know <laughs> that, that you're, you're going to be able to, to do what your mind achieves. And speaking about, you know, future achievements, you mentioned Western States is, something you want to go for next year. So I'm sure you're probably looking at a few golden ticket races. Do you have like a few in mind? Are you kind of surveying right now, kind of like putting things together? Do you have like a target race you're looking at? I'm curious, curious to Mm -hmm. see like what, what you have your eyes on next. Yeah. So definitely golden ticket race is in my future. If not two, I mean, I was with the shakeup in the races, you know, I don't think it'll happen the rest of this year with Grindstone or Havelina. I was kind of eyeing Havelina, but I ran yesterday and first time back and the body is still pretty wrecked. Mm -hmm. And so I think I can be happy with kind of ending my season on on this note um, and kind of just working back to a healthy body and running for um, getting ready for next season. I might do, you know, just a fun race here and there um but i think in terms of like a races the season is kind of over for me um so for next year i'm i'm i in black canyon um i really like what aravipa is doing with the three golden tickets and you know paying for entrance fees i think that they're just a huge um benefit they're they're awesome for the sport and just the live coverage what jamil's doing and that whole crew there um, really awesome. So I want to go out and, and do that race again. I have a little bit of, uh, um, a chip on my shoulder there, you know, being DNFing from an injury on that. So I want to get back and, and, uh, race that. And then, um, uh, so I'll be doing for sure black Canyon and maybe canyons if, uh, mm-hmm. the ticket doesn't happen. So two golden ticket races there, and then hopefully getting back into Western States and then, I mean, watching UTMB this last weekend, um, I was not really on the UTMB hype train until like actually sitting down and watching the race. I was just like, okay, this is pretty cool. I might have to do this next year. <laughs> so, you get the running stones from canyons. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I just do can. So yeah. Um, so right now I think the season is kind of um, done. I'm just going to go out and enjoy running, um, you know, without any kind of race on the horizon. And then, uh, in 2024 kind of aim for those golden ticket races. So yeah, that's the plan. So good, man. And, and Hey, I think with the black Canyon, I, I think it was for you even just showing up like very shortly after a hard effort at Bandera. I mean, even just you showing yeah. up to that race, I think was an accomplishment on its own. So like, kudos to you for going for it, man. And I think black Canyon's like one of those races where I think it suits you well, like just from like a, you know, perspective of, I mean, cause that's a race where it's like, you have to go out hard and I mm-hmm. love how you have that racing approach. So I think that'll be, that'll be one. I, I think there's uh, one of those three golden tickets is in your future for sure. My friend, and I'll be rooting you on and everybody here too, listening, please follow JP. I mean, he's just one of the most inspiring persons I've had on this podcast. And one of the main reasons why I wanted to have him back as well, just because I always just get so fired up chatting with you, man. So anyone who wants to follow JP, check out his uh, social links in the show notes here. Um, 
man, I'm so stoked to continue to follow your career and, and everything you're doing, man, because I get fired up. And I know on the since you are a second guest, right, the first thing I always ask our guests is what can our listeners do every day to beat a better endurance athlete? But I love just because, man, I, I just love your perspective on mindset so much. If someone is in a place, let's just say they're maybe not seeing progress or maybe they had like a race that didn't go the way they wanted to. And like, they really just want to strive for something better, whether it is a PR, a podium win, or just finishing maybe their first hundred, what would your best piece of advice be to that person listening who wants to accomplish, you know, greatness for themselves? Like you, you did at level, what would be your best piece of advice for them? Uh, yeah, I mean, Number one thing is success doesn't come overnight. I started doing endurance sports when I was 18 years old. And, you know, 10 years later at 28, I'm starting to finally see um, success in the sport. Um, So it's just finding community, having people that can hold you accountable and just showing up every day. You, you gotta want it more than, more than anything. And, you know, there might be sacrifices that need to be made, but running really is very special to me because it really, it really changed my life. It saved my life in a lot of ways, getting out of the military. And it's um, just the community of trail runners and the sport itself gives me a lot of purpose and meaning. And um, yeah, I hope to do it for many, many, many more years. Even when I'm not competitive, I hope to be running well into my old age. So yeah, just find that purpose, find that drive and success doesn't come overnight. You got to work for it. So yeah, just keep grinding. I love it, man, dude. And it's such a good message to have. And I, I, it's, it's so just cool to see you being a a walking, living proof of that, right? Like being able, like, as you put in the work, you put in the, not just the physical work, but the mental work with the visualization and making sure your language is on point and ultimately knowing what works best for you, man. So if there's someone who, who lives it out every day, man, it's you and, uh, man, just, just so grateful for you coming on the show again. Like I know this, this, uh, won't be the last time if you're, you're willing to come again and the future of this podcast because dude every time i chat with you i feel like i can run through a brick wall like it's so (laughs) motivated man so dude jp thanks again for coming on the show man you are a legend and uh dude so stoked to continue to follow your career man yeah thanks joe and thanks for uh giving a platform to all these great athletes in, in the sport it's really awesome absolutely man and you're inspiring tons of people i appreciate you a ton sweet yeah as long as like even one person that i get out there running that's job well done Dude, 100%. Well, I, it's, it's awesome because a lot of people listened to your first one, uh, the first episode that we did, and they were like, I'm fired to like go for bigger goals and everything. Listen to this one. So like, no, you are inspiring tons of people, including myself, man. So uh, keep doing what you're doing, my friend. Great. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Will do. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to do so. And if you absolutely love the show and want to support us in any ways, there's a few ways that you can do so. The first way is writing us a review on the platform of your choice. Reviews really, really matter and they help us to spread the word a lot more. So if you have the time to do so, would love that as well. Number two, you can join our Patreon community. Patreon helps us to support the show and helps us to grow and invest into new developments and growth. And on top of that, just for about $5 a month, 
you can get access to monthly calls with me where you can ask me anything on a monthly basis, connect with other members in the Everyday Ultra community, and ultimately get early access episodes without ads as well, which is super, super cool, all for about $5 a month. So that's a great way to support us. And then number three is taking care of our sponsors on here. So as you heard in the beginning of the podcast, uh, we had some sponsors in here. And if you want to invest into their product and uh, go try them out, they're all products that I've tried either in my training and I live by. I don't take any sponsorships from anybody I don't incorporate in my training. So uh, feel free to take advantage of their product and tell them that Joe sent you from Everyday Ultra. Those are three ways to support the podcast, but no matter which way that you choose or if you don't choose a way at all, just know that I really appreciate you for listening in. I know there's tons of podcasts out there and the fact that you're listening to us, that really, really means a lot. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And remember, become a better endurance athlete every day, and we'll see you real soon. Take care.